excited as we begin this new year, uh, just one weekend. Uh, I'm excited for a few reasons. Uh, one is that uh, this is the beginning of my eighth year at Lebanon Christian Church, and by my count this week, uh, this is right around the 300th message I've been able to preach on a weekend here in, in the last seven years and one week now, so that's exciting. But I'm even more excited that... Um, you don't need to... Just thankful to be a part of a church family for this long of a time. Um, but one of the things I'm even more excited about is today we're actually launching uh, this new three-year strategic plan, strategic emphasis for our church called Pursue. Um, you are probably over the next three years, not probably, you are over the next three years going to see this word Pursue all over the place. Uh, it's a word that I hope that you grow to identify not just with Lebanon Christian Church over the next three years, but in your own life as you begin to see how you can pursue Jesus, how you can pursue one another, how you can pursue your purpose in this world. I want to give you a little bit of a background on how this all came to be. As we were coming out of COVID and our elders were seeking the Lord in prayer and saying, God, where, where do you want Lebanon Christian Church to go in this season, in the future, um, we decided it was time to embark on another strategic planning process like we had done in 2016. And so we invited all the elders, uh, our ministry staff, our pastoral staff, and a few key members of the congregation that would have different insights uh, into a room last April. And we embarked on a day and a half of strategic planning asking questions about what has Lebanon Christian Church been good at? What are some things we've struggled at? Where are the hearts of our people? Where are some of the challenges that we face? What's happening in our community? What's God doing in the world? And we just went around the room and again and again, and we put a lot of answers up on papers and we prayed and we solidified and we came up with this plan of pursuing, pursuing Jesus, pursuing one another and pursuing our purpose as our points of emphasis for the next three years. And I want to give you a little bit of the theology or um, the biblical understanding of why we landed on Pursue as we start today and as we begin this year. Pursue or pursuit or pursuing, uh, it's a very biblical concept. I want to show you this. Um, it's one of Paul's favorite terms to use, although Paul wouldn't have used the word pursue because Paul didn't speak English. Uh, the word that Paul would have written is the word, or the Paul, word that Paul did write was the word dioko in the Koine Greek. It shows up a number of times in our New Testaments. Paul likes to use it uh, in this idea of pursuing something would be our English understanding. The word means to decisively act or to move towards something, to an object, to someone. It's used in both positive and negative ways in, in the New Testament. It's at the heart of the word that we know as persecute, dioko, to, for someone to decisively act or to move towards or engage in, in harming someone because they don't like what they're doing. But it's also used in a positive sense, and it's often translated pursue, and in one place, press on, which is one of my favorites that I want to show you. To begin with, let's look at 1 Timothy uh, chapter 6. In 1 Timothy Paul writes to him, and he's encouraged him in the verses before to be careful of false teachers, to stay away from the love of money, uh, to not live thinking that the things of this world will satisfy. But he says this in verse 11, but you, man of God, flee from all of this and dioko, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. But you, man of God, decisively act, move towards, orient your life around these things righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. And something very similar he writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, 22. 
He says, flee the evil desires of youth and dioko, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Hey, Timothy, why don't you join those others who are also doing this and pursue, decisively act, move towards godliness and faithfulness, these things that honor God. But my favorite is in Philippians, and the word pursue isn't here in our English Bibles, uh, but it's the word press on. Paul, Paul is writing in Philippians chapter three, and he's just made a case in verses one through six for all the reasons why he could have great confidence in the flesh. Pharisee of Pharisees comes from one of the best tribes among Israelites or the most notorious tribes among Israelites. Smart man, well-learned, had done a lot in the Jewish eyes. But here's what he says beginning in verse seven. He says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Like all those things, they don't count anymore. They're a loss for the sake of Christ. And pay attention to how he emphasizes Christ as what's most important to him. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Hear his earnestness. I want to know Christ. I want to know Jesus. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so, somehow, attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Do you hear Paul's heart? I wanna honor Jesus. Like anything else that would have counted in the eyes of the world or the, or the eyes of my, my, my fellow Jews, like I, I wanna count all that is lost. All that matters to me is, is honoring Jesus and participating with him in his life, in his death, and his resurrection. And look where he turns his attention in verse 12. Not that I have already obtained all this or I've already arrived at my goal because I haven't gotten there yet. But what do I do? I press on, Dioko. I press on, I decisively act. I move towards this to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. I'm not perfect, I haven't fully arrived. I'm in process. But here's one thing I do, forgetting what's behind, straining towards what is ahead. I press on, dioko, towards the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. I decisively act. I, I move towards. I orient my life around. I engage in what matters to the heart of God. I pursue him. I pursue his purposes. I pursue his life. And so as we talk about pursue over the coming years, and again, I wanna remind you, I'll remind you several times along the way that this is not a one-month plan. This is not a six-month plan. This is not a one-year plan. Uh, we won't fully um, realize all that's involved in pursuing Jesus as Lebanon Christian Church, pursuing one another, pursuing his purposes, and what that means for programs, activities, studies, all of that, until we get to the end of the three years. But it's all rooted and his word, we want to pursue, pursue God's best, pursue his mission in this world. Here's the reality. We're all pursuing something. 
Every one of us pursues something. Every one of us is acting decisively and engaging our effort and our energy towards an end. Every one of us, it may be your um, pursuing pleasure. Your life may be oriented. Your decision-making may be oriented over what makes me feel good. You may be pursuing a promotion. You may be pursuing a new career. You may be pursuing a person. Maybe you're looking for Mr. Right or Mrs. Right and, and you want to have that relationship. Maybe you're pursuing, um, you know, adding to your family. You want children. Maybe it's adoption. Maybe it's, it's trying to have a child um, naturally. Like you, you, you're pursuing something. Maybe you're pursuing an experience. Maybe you're pursuing the accumulation of wealth. We're all pursuing something. All of us have places where we engage our energy and our effort towards an end. What is that? What are those things for you? What are you pursuing? Are you pursuing God? Are you pursuing his mission? And what we hope happens over the next three years is that you'll be able to look back and say, I've seen so much growth in my life and how I pursue Jesus, how I pursue one another, and how I pursue my purpose. The, the, three, the three emphasis are just those. We're actually gonna spend the first three months of this year just unpacking these in, in different teaching series. And one of the reasons we chose the book of Acts was because it gives us clear picture of what God's people were oriented around and what they were, were all about. And so as we began launching this series in Acts late last August, we knew we were launching this strategic plan. Like Acts is the best place to go look to see what, what were Jesus' followers doing? They were pursuing Jesus. They were pursuing one another. They were pursuing his purposes in this world. His purposes became their purposes. So what will this look like? Well, Pursue Jesus. Uh, we have a metric we're using for pursue Jesus. We want people to be able to identify if they're living lives that are fully surrendered to King Jesus on a daily basis. And so we're committed over the next three years to provide experiences, trainings, intentional studies, opportunities to help you grow in your pursuit of Jesus, getting to know him through his word, how to follow him and engage in his life, and these things will come to fruition over the coming months and years. And it's the most important component. If we don't pursue Jesus, if he's not our chief priority, our chief pursuit, we won't get pursuing one another and pursuing our purpose right. So pursue Jesus is a main point of emphasis, pursuing one another. All of our lives happen in the context of relationships. You live with people, you work with people. We, we're in community with people, Lebanon, Boone County, wherever you live. We're in a world full of people, how does God call us to treat one another? How does he call us to engage within the church? How do we care for one another, love for one another, comfort one another, pray for one another? All those one another's in the New Testament. What does that look like when his church goes outside of these walls and, 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 and treats one another in your workplace and on the ball field and in the theater and in the grocery store and at the restaurant? And so we're gonna have a team working on creating opportunities, not just to connect and grow in how we care for one another and treat one another here, but what does that look like out in our community? And then discover your purpose. God has made and developed and created each of us to be a part of his mission. What does that look like for you? What are the unique gifts and abilities, the talents that God has given you? One of the key objectives for discover your purpose is that we're gonna be onboarding at some point in the near future a spiritual gift inventory that, that we help you find out how are you gifted? How does God want to engage you here at Lebanon Christian Church, but beyond these walls in our community and the world? What has what what he created you for?
We want you to find your purpose within his purposes. And here at the start of the year, we just want to show you the, the basis in scripture for these things, that you would be challenged both personally and we would be challenged as a church in how we can pursue. Again, pursue Jesus, pursue one another, and pursue your purpose. There's an image that comes to mind as I think about pursuit that I can't shake, and that's the, the image of an animal pursuing something. I mean, that's an animal, another animal, maybe that's an object like a frisbee or a ball. When you watch an animal in pursuit, everything, their eyes are locked on, their head moves towards every muscle, every fiber moves towards that thing, that object that they're pursuing. We were at the Purdue basketball game Monday night, and at halftime, uh, there, there was this dog, or a few dogs, and they were chasing Frisbees. And it was just amazing. It was this, this dog would be sitting, and the trainer would throw a Frisbee, and then every part of that dog would move towards and race across the court to engage that Frisbee, locked on, laser focused. Will we be that type of disciple? Will we be locked on, laser focused on Jesus, on one another? on his purposes, engaging everything in that mission. I can't think of a better way to begin our 40th year as a church. We will celebrate November 27th this year, 40 years as a church. And what better way to move into this 40th year than moving together, pursuing Jesus, one another, and his purpose. And we're gonna kick it off with discovering Jesus. When you look into the book of Acts, one of the things that's clear is that Jesus was the main event for his followers. At every turn, they're looking to him. They're talking about him. Their lives and character, their actions reflect him. And we can take a lot of encouragement from them. There's a passage I want to just kind of rest in today, and we'll kind of bounce from it in some other places. It's a passage we've looked at kind of briefly a couple times in this series on Acts already. It's Acts chapter four, verse 13. Uh, just some background context before I read those words. Uh, these occur after Peter and John, two of Jesus' disciples. Uh, you may recall them from the life of Jesus if you've uh, studied his life in the Gospels. Uh, Peter and John, both fishermen. Uh, Peter and Andrew are brothers. John and James are brothers. Well, Peter and John are going up to the temple to pray, um, to worship with other believers. And as they come across the gate called Beautiful, a gate towards the temple, they find a man who's lame, and the man asks them for silver and gold. And Peter and John say, listen, like, our pockets are empty, dude. Like, silver and gold we don't have, but what we do have we'll give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And so the, the man is healed. He, he, he begins to, to walk, and he goes up into the temple complex, and he's proclaiming what these men have done for him. Peter and John have the opportunity to preach and to share with people who Jesus is and what it means for their life. Well, it creates a commotion, and they get arrested. They get brought be before the Jewish leaders who don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. They get called to account for their actions, and Peter starts to preach at them. These Jewish leaders, he starts to preach to them and say, listen, this Jesus, he, he, he is the way, the truth, the life. He says, salvation is found in no one else, no other name under heaven by which men can be saved than by Jesus. And here's the response of those religious leaders in Acts 4, verse 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men 
had been with Jesus. So these religious leaders, the Sanhedrin, the, 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 the who's who among Jewish religious leaders, what stood out to them about Peter and John? Their courage, yes. But what astonished them the most is they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They acted like him. They talked like him. They, they lived like him. And what was so startling to them is that, that these, these men were unschooled. Like, they, they hadn't grown up in all the schools of, of Jewish teaching like they had. Likely, as we study history, they hadn't made the cut. They didn't have what it, what, 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 what it would take to, to move through the schools of Jewish learning, to memorize more and more parts of the Old Testament. And so they were unschooled. They were ordinary. That there wasn't anything flashy about them. There weren't any great accolades they had to their name. Like there wasn't anything that made them like, like, like they should be people who, who should be so great. No, no, no. They were, they were just ordinary men. But what did the Jewish leaders take note of? What stood out? They had been with Jesus. Evidence that they were men who were all about pursuing Jesus, pursuing his life, living like him. I said earlier that we all pursue something. Are you pursuing Jesus? When people think about your life and the conversations they have with you, the things they hear you say, the things they watch you do, would they be astonished and take note that you have been with Jesus? What would it take to be someone who is pursuing Jesus in the same way we see the people in the book of Acts? And that's what we're going to discover over the next few weeks is what would it look like to pursue Jesus? And the first thing I want to start with is to pursue Jesus, we need to be people who look to his words. We need to be people who look to the word of God. Throughout the book of Acts, what we see is that the word of God plays a central role. It's what points people to Jesus, informs them of Jesus, spurs them on in Jesus, from beginning to end, and I mean that quite literally. If you go to Acts chapter one, you will find Peter quoting the book of Psalms. He knows the word of God and it points him. He uses it to describe, like we knew this would happen with Judas. He talks about what would happen when Judas would take his own life. He quotes another Psalm. This is how we fill a position of leadership. You go to the very end of the book of Acts, to Acts chapter 28, and how does Paul end the book of Acts? By once again quoting scripture. He quotes from the words of the prophet Isaiah at the close of the book of Acts. So from beginning to end in the book of Acts, the life of the early church, we see that they're oriented around, they're focused on the words of God inform their life in Jesus, point them to Jesus, guide them in their life with Jesus. And those quotations in Luke chapter, sorry, Acts chapter one and Acts chapter 28 are just two of what I counted as 14 direct quotes of the Old Testament in the book of Acts from people like Peter, Paul, the Jerusalem Council, others as they taught and lived, Stephen in his sermon. And speaking of sermons, even though places where it's not directly quoted, sermons of Peter and Stephen and Paul, we have paraphrasing of the biblical account. The the word of God is at the root, what's fueling and, and leading them, producing the growth in the early church. Beyond sermons, you have direct words of God, He speaks through angels. He speaks directly. Jesus on the road uh, to Damascus as Paul is traveling speaks directly. We have a prophet Agabus who hears from the spirit of God and speaks. 
So the words of God play a central role in the lives of these early followers of Jesus. They guide them in their pursuit. They allowed the words of God to point them to Jesus and guide them in living like Jesus. And that's important because that stands in contrast to what was happening among the Jewish religious leaders. Maybe you recall this episode from John chapter 5. In John chapter 5, Jesus challenges the Pharisees. They're engaged in this heated dialogue. And here's what Jesus says to the Pharisees. You study, this is verse 39, John chapter 5. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Jesus is letting them know that they are experiencing an adventure in missing the point. He says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. You know the Sabbath regulations, you know the law of Moses, you can quote the prophets. You know a lot of things, but it hasn't translated to you understanding and being changed. They were coming to the scriptures and thinking, if I just know more of these words of God, then I'll have life, eternal life, life in the full. But Jesus says, you missed it. These are intended to point you to me. I'm the source of that life. God's words are purposeful. God's words are important, but they should always point us to Jesus and being transformed and changed. God's word is not just there for the accumulation of information, but it's there for transformation. Are we men and women who are being changed by the word of God? Are we just growing in our knowledge and understanding of it? See, the contrast here between the Jewish leaders and these early disciples in Acts is that they were allowing God's word to change them, to point them to Jesus, to become like Jesus. They were being transformed. The Jewish leaders, they were missing the point because they were just growing in their knowledge and their understanding of the word of God, but it wasn't changing them. Which type of follower of God will we be? If you want to pursue Jesus, his words need to transform not just inform. And I think it'd be easy to write off and say, listen, we're, we're not Jewish Pharisees, so clearly we don't fit into that camp. But the truth is, we probably all have been here. And we also know people who have been here. Who you can participate in Bible study after Bible study. You may have grown up in Sunday school. You may participate in a small group or a life group, and you may know a whole lot about the Bible. You may be able to say all 66 books from beginning to end. You may be able to quote verses. But is your life changed? Have those words pointed you to Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith? And are they shaping you to become more like him? Or are you just excited to know more? Maybe you can tell me how many cubits are in the temple but do you treat your body like the temple of the living God? Paul warns us in 1 Corinthians chapter eight, he says that knowledge puffs up. We have to be very careful in our American culture, our Western culture, to think that just knowing more equates to being more. Knowing Jesus and submitting to him helps us live for more. 
If we're going to pursue Jesus, the word of God has to be central, but only as it points us to Jesus and informs our life to transform our lives. Will we be people who listen to and read and obey the words of God that they might point us to Jesus and help us become more like him? I intentionally leave out the word learn, not because I don't believe in learning. I think learning is important. I enjoy learning from the scriptures, but I leave it out intentionally because in our culture, it's one of those words that can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. And typically, what I see the most is that learning has to do with just information accumulation in the head, not living it out. If we're gonna pursue Jesus, we'd be people who, yes, we read, we listen, and if we wanna use the word learn, we learn, but it's learning so that we live differently. Not just so that we're smarter, not so just we can talk you know, eloquently about the book of Revelation or some other thing in scripture, some other doctrine. No, we wanna be changed to be like Jesus. To pursue Jesus, the word of God is central. It points us to Jesus and helps us become like Jesus. We become those types of people. To pursue Jesus, we'll need his word. We'll need his word. And survey after survey, Barna Research has done surveys, Pew Research has done surveys, Lifeway has done surveys. And all the surveys kind of show this conclusive evidence that disciples of Jesus in America right now, at their best, read the Bible inconsistently. And yet these are the words that inform us to transform us. If we're gonna pursue Jesus, if we're gonna look different one month from now, one year from now, three years from now, we have to be people who immerse ourselves in the word of God. And I know, I, I've heard all the excuses, I've made the same excuses, I'm busy, but let's just be honest. Everyone in this room makes time for the things that matter most to you. We do. We still find time to, to scroll. Have you, have you checked screen time on your device recently? How much time have you spent on social media, on Safari, on Google, it's kind of a sobering thing when you look at that. It's sobering for me, I know. I'll speak for myself, maybe I'm the only one. We still make time for that. We still make time to watch the YouTube video of friends sends us. We still make time to scroll through TikToks that may only be 10 to 20 seconds long, but it's funny how they can add up to hours at a time. We still have shows we can binge on our favorite streaming service. We still have physical activities we can engage in. We still make time to be there to support our kids and their events. We make time for what's important to us. Will we choose to say, God, your words are important because they lead me to you, the author and perfecter of the faith. They lead me to Jesus, who is the source of eternal life. Here's another excuse I often hear. Craig, it's just hard. It's hard to understand it. And I'll say, yeah, you know what? It is hard when you first start reading it. And so was the job when you first started it. And, and so was the, 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 the series you got engaged on Netflix when you kind of jumped in middle way because a friend said you need to watch it. And, and so was learning that new sport or that new hobby. Every time you get engaged in something new, you have to grow in your familiarity of the terms. The beauty of God's word is that as you start reading it, yeah, some of it may seem odd. You may not know the names. You don't know how to pronounce the names of people. But the more you read it, you'll start to connect the dots just like you do when you learn something new. 
I've shared up here before that last year about this time, uh, our oldest son and myself started making pins. We started turning wood pins on a lathe. I didn't know what a lathe was. I didn't know what a pin mandrel was. I didn't know what a carbide tip was. I didn't know the difference between wet sandpaper and dry sandpaper. I didn't know what a wax finish was, what a finishing polish was. I didn't know what Brazilian tulip for a wood was. I didn't know what Bolivian rosewood was. I didn't know the difference between hardwoods and softwoods. But guess what? Over the course of a year, as I immerse myself in that, guess what I learned? I grow more familiar and I know those things. When you immerse yourself in the word of God, you begin to connect the dots and you begin to see. Another excuse I hear is, Craig, listen, I have some sort of physical impairment or learning impairment that I can't read his word. And I get that. And, and I, I genuinely hurt for people who aren't able to read the word like I can. But I'm also exceedingly grateful we live in a world where we have so many other ways of engaging the word of God at our fingertips. The same Bible app that I may be able to read because I don't wrestle with dyslexia or some other learning impairment. You can press play on and listen to. For those of you whose eyesight is not what it once was or what it never would, it never has been what you would hope it would be. You can listen. You can listen to the Bible for free. You can go online and you can source MP3 players that have nothing but the, the Bible on them. You can stick uh, headphones in. You can listen to. You can download even apps you pay for, like Dwell, that allow you to, to, to choose. It's an annual subscription. You can choose from like, I don't know, it's like 20 different people reading the Bible to you in a variety of different versions. Maybe you learn uh, and hear the word of God best from an Australian man. You can choose that, right? Maybe for you, you want a Nigerian reading you the word of God. You can get that. Maybe you want an Asian woman reading the word of God. You can choose that. In the, like, we have opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to listen even when we can't read. So don't let that be your excuse. Let me give you a starting point if we're gonna be people who pursue Jesus and have the word of God at the center. Uh, I've shared this with you before, but I'd encourage you to ask two questions as you engage the word of God. I'd encourage you to ask these two questions. Begin every time you read the word of God asking these. God, what are you wanting to say to me? And what do you want me to do? I'd encourage you to start, if you haven't read the word of God in a long time, to start with one of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. If you wanna feel like you're making progress, start with Mark, because it's fewer chapters than the rest. Sit down and in the morning or afternoon or your lunch break, whenever it is that you get those moments, just say, God, what do you wanna say to me? And what do you want me to do? Why do we ask those questions? What do you wanna say to me? That question reminds us that God's word is living and active. Second Peter tells us the word of God was written as the Holy Spirit led people along. The Holy Spirit continues to speak God's words to us through his word. And when we say, God, what do you wanna say to me? We're coming with this appreciation that you guess what? God, you're still talking through this, so talk to me. Some other questions that can help you there. What are you saying to me? God, does this teach me anything about you? Do I learn anything about you in this passage? Do you say anything? Do you do anything? Does this say anything about you? Does this tell me anything about human beings? Does it say anything about how humans act or what humans should do? Is there there a command to be obeyed? 
Is there a model that needs to be followed? I love that. I just learned that from another pastor of mine. He's like, he's added this question in. I think it's great because sometimes you look at something and maybe there's not a command. Maybe there's not a sin to confess, but there's a model that we can follow in how Jesus lived or how somebody else did something. So God, what are you saying to me? Ask those questions. And then pause and reflect. See, so often we just want to blitz through to see if we've accomplished our reading for the day. But, but what if we just lingered there and said, God, what, what are you saying to me? And then took the next step and said, okay, God, what do you want me to do now? What do you want me to do? Is there an action step I need to take? Is there a sin that I need to confess? Is there a command that I need to obey? Is there a model I need to follow? Is there somebody else I know that needs to be encouraged by these words? Do I need to share these words with somebody? Do I know somebody else struggling in these ways? And you can spend 20, 25 minutes in the word of God asking those questions, maybe grab a nice journal. I love a journal, writing down kind of what I think God's speaking to me. And here's another hint I'll share with you. If you you think God's leading you in some way and it's really new, discuss that with another follower of Jesus. I love the example of Acts chapter 17, the Bereans, when uh, Paul and Silas and them come to Berea and they're speaking after leaving Thessalonica. It says the Bereans examined the scriptures daily to make sure that what Paul and the others were telling them was true. So as you begin to discover something, share that with a friend, allow them to speak back into that. As you observe, as you reflect, to discuss that with other people and then craft your plan to obey those scriptures. And you'll see how God begins to lead you on a journey, not just of knowing about him, but knowing him. And he begins to shape your character as you pursue Jesus in this world. One more helpful thing I'll give you. I I read to you from John chapter five. If you go to the next chapter of John, John chapter six, there's kind of this bizarre encounter where uh, Jesus has fed the 5,000. He's walked upon the water And now he and his disciples are journeying on another shore and the crowds catch up to them and they're like, Jesus, do more for us. Give us another miracle. And he's like, guys, you want another miracle? Like you're missing the point. And he gives them this really hard teaching where he tells them to eat his body and drink his blood. It probably felt weird to them, but I know it feels even weirder to us because we don't speak in these ways. But Jesus was inviting them to participate in his life. You want the real miracle? Come and live like me. And it tells us at the end of John chapter six that many of the disciples walked away because it was too hard for them. And so Jesus turns to his 12 and he says, what about you guys? Are you gonna leave me too? And Peter's response is so incredible. In John chapter six, he says, Jesus, where would we go? you have the words of eternal life. If we leave, where are we going? You are the one who has what we desperately long for. What if that was our posture as we came to the word? God, what do you want to say to me? You have the words of eternal life. What, what, What if we read his word for ourselves more than we had other people teach us about it? I think there's a place for classrooms. There's a place for preaching and teaching in a context like this. But this should not be the main event for you in the word of God. We should be reading it and listening to it for ourselves to guide us daily, moment by moment, and it'll help us pursue Jesus. If you're not yet a follower of Jesus, something I wanna assure you of is that 
Jesus' invitation is open to you. Take us back to those words in Acts chapter 4, verse 13. I want you to know that you may think that you're not smart enough. You don't know enough about Jesus yet. You certainly don't know enough about the Bible yet. You may feel that way. You may feel like you're too broken. You've made too many mistakes. What I love about Acts 4.13 is that they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. The thing they took note of is they had been with Jesus. They were men at one time in their lives who said, you know what? I don't have the answers. I need you. I need to follow you. And if you're hungry for Jesus, if you're willing to follow him, you don't have to have all your stuff together yet. He, through his power, can enter in and shape your life to be the life that he's called you to. Jesus himself tells us that it's not the healthy that need a doctor, but it's the sick. You don't need to be cleaned up. He can help clean you up, and he leads you in the way of life. And that invitation is open to everyone who will surrender to him. It's gonna require something of you. It's gonna require you to give up your truth to accept his truth. It's gonna require you to say, it's not about my way anymore, God, it's about your way. But it doesn't mean you're gonna have it all solved and all fixed, but you're submitting to him and saying, God, teach me how to live in this new way. And he invites every single one of us to it. And if you wanna discover that way of Jesus and you're not there yet, I'd encourage you to reach out to us. It's already been shared, but I'll share it again. You can connect with us. Scan the QR codes in our building that say, let's connect. Fill out a connection card at one of our communion stations around the room and put it in the offering box. Email us, connect at lebanonchristian.org. Tell us you wanna know more about following Jesus. Let us help you discover him so you can begin your pursuit with Jesus today. Let's pray. God, thank you. I thank you for the work you're doing here at Lebanon Christian Church. God, I know that it has been a refining season. God, I know that you have called your church globally to the same mission, but it looks different in different places. And God, you have called us to this, to pursue you by pursuing Jesus, one another, and your purpose. And God, I pray you would guide us, guide the teams that are working on the the new endeavors, the new opportunities, the new intentional studies that are coming. Guide the preparations for a next steps class that will be arriving this spring to help people find their next step in their spiritual journey. God, lead us in our pursuit, and may you be honored and glorified. Amen.